1: Ditch the clowns on the left
2: and the jokers on the right
1: and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle.
2: This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds.
3: Minnesota Representative Dean Phillips has made it official. The congressman launched his presidential campaign on Friday. He filed to run in the New Hampshire Democratic primary kicking off his long-shot challenge to President Joe Biden. I am running for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States because it is time for a change. This is Congressman Phillips. Congressman, thanks so much for being here.
4: Great to be with you, Michael. Nasdorovia, to your health. (laughs) Nasdorovia.
3: So can we now have the real conversation? Television is so hard. There's a tight time parameter and not a lot of opportunity to uh, to wander. Why Belvedere and not Zubroka Bison Grass?
4: Well, there you know, Michael. There there's the Belvedere for certain occasions, and then for the more unusual times to have a little bison grass in your vodka uh, makes uh, just makes an evening more interesting.
3: Why am I raising this with Congressman Dean Phillips, who is now running for the presidency?
4: <laughs> well, before I determined that I couldn't take my country for granted and had to participate as a member of Congress, uh, I was in business and I uh, was in the spirits business. Uh, my father uh, and I and others uh, introduced Belvedere Vodka back in the early 1990s, establishing an entirely new category of spirits, a Luxury Vodka. Uh, before Grey Goose uh, and others, and um, in many ways, I have to say, and and then went on to uh, build the Talenti Gelato brand, which we sold some years ago, and in many ways using some of those tactics and techniques and strategies uh, for this upstart, uh, renegade, and, of course, as you said, long-shot campaign for president. But uh, i got to tell you, Michael, everything that I've done in my past life started with selling, and selling starts with listening, and that's what I'm doing right now all through New Hampshire.
3: I said to my producer on Friday, I, "Man, what a, what a choice I would have to make: gelato, vodka, vodka, gelato." And of course, her response was to say, well, well, <laughs> "Both. Why not both? Absolutely both. Why not? That's <laughs> <This is> the <laughs> best thing I've ever heard."
4: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, and, you know, and then, and then, just switch it up the next day.
3: So, one other question. And then I got to get to the heart of the matter: the Saco River. Like when when I saw the sure. announcement ad, and you said that you had. Canoe down the saco I, I thought that is for me paint that picture what does that look like
4: so my father my adopted dad eddie phillips uh went to camp in the white mountains uh in fryburg maine right on the border of new hampshire north Conway, new hampshire uh then he sent uh, my brother tyler and me there in the late 70s and early 80s and then later my brother and sister jj and hutton went to camp at the same place. And then my own daughters, Danielle and Tia, went to camp in the White Mountains at the same place. So the Saco River uh, is a place where three generations of my family have spent uh, a lot of their summers and enjoying uh, the woods and, and camp. And, and frankly, as I said in my announcement, that's where I lo- learned to love my country. Uh, some of the greatest people, uh and outstanding history uh, in the United States.
3: Congressman, unfortunately, you never got to meet your biological father. That's a rather remarkable story, and I'm wondering how it has shaped your worldview nonetheless.
4: Uh, it's, it's core to my existence, Michael. I uh, lost my dad when I was six months old in the Vietnam War. Uh, Captain Artie Peffer, he grew up uh, very poor in St. Paul. My grandfather died when he was just a little boy. My grandmother, Ruth, raised two boys, my Uncle Howard and, and my dad, Artie, uh, by working at a in the men's clothing department at a department store in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, My dad couldn't afford college, so he took an ROTC uh, scholarship, uh, graduated from the University of Minnesota Law School, magna cum laude. Actually, just cum laude, sorry. I didn't want to give him too much credit. And he uh, then was uh, sent to Vietnam uh, to serve his country, Uh, was a captain, uh, and was killed in a helicopter crash in Pleiku uh, in July of 1969 when I was just six months old. And it very much shaped my life because... uh, Uh, with his loss my mom was 24 and widowed we had to live with my great-grandparents for the first two years of my life and then in an act of extraordinary good fortune i was adopted uh, by my dad eddie into a remarkable family of many blessings Uh, my adopted grandma was the advice columnist dear abby and my aunt ann landers so a lot of advice in my upbringing Uh, but most importantly uh, just this year has been a remarkable year for me michael i for the first time in my life at age 54 uh, went to vietnam for the first time uh, and went to the very site uh, on Dragon Mountain in Phle Vietnam, uh, where my dad died. And I got to uh, stand there uh, with others and celebrate him and the other seven soldiers that died that day. Uh, I literally took some of that dirt back home with me. And in no small part has influenced my decision to serve my country at a time I believe uh, we need it more than ever, uh, for reasons I'm sure many listeners uh, will understand.
3: Congressman, I came of age politically in the 1980 cycle. I turned 18 that spring and was Mm -hmm. able to vote for the first time. And so I was paying very close attention to Reagan and Carter and, of course, John Anderson. And in reading in on Congressman Dean Phillips, I saw anecdotally that you're six years younger than I am. You were in the sixth grade that cycle and you had an interesting high school visitor. Who am I making reference to?
4: Oh, I love that you brought this up. He was my first influence. I, I, go, to, I go to middle school one day, uh, 1980, uh, I was 11 years old, and who shows up at our, at our auditorium for, uh, for that morning but John Anderson, uh, a man running for president of the United States. So every one of us was just in awe. And I remember two things he's, he talked about that day, uh, the need for independence in politics, and he spoke about money in politics. And at that age and at that time, I think you might recall, very few of us understood anything about it. Uh, but I remember that evening uh, going to dinner with my great grandparents, my grandparents, uh, my parents, my entire family, sat next to my grandma, Abby, the advice columnist. And she asked about my day. And I said, uh, Grandma, it was amazing. A guy running for president you know, came to speak to us, the next president of the United States. And she said, well, honey, if he's speaking to a middle school class this close to the election, he may not win. But most importantly, she said, <laughs> "Are you a Democrat or Republican?" And I said, "Grandma, I said I, I'm 11 years old. I don't even know what those are." And she said, "Well, you're a Democrat." So I was anointed a Democrat at, at Murray's in downtown Minneapolis an evening in 1980 by my grandmother, Dear Abby. And the rest is history. Right. But dear, I have to say, dear one Abby. Of my great regret, that I never had a chance yeah. to tell. I'm sorry, I never had a chance to tell John Anderson. Uh, about his influence uh, on my life. And especially as I undertake this campaign, he was a man of courage, uh, of conviction, a former, of course, Republican congressman from Illinois, uh, who who felt strongly that he had to bring a different voice to America that, uh, that year. And of course, didn't succeed, but he made an influence on me.
2: This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM.
3: with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss
1: has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
2: Michael Smirconish program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on Potus SiriusXM Channel 124, and anytime on the SiriusXM app.
3: So, at this moment, I'd like to think you are reaching a robust nationwide audience of independent thinkers who are upset at the outsized influence of the ideologues among us. What's the Dean Phillips message for for us or for
4: them? Well, I am. First of all, I'm one of you. Uh, for most of my life, uh, I thought the same things. I was just as appalled, disgusted, dismayed. Uh, finally, the morning after the 2016 election, I have to tell everybody, the, and I watched it that night uh, with my family. I woke up the next morning. My daughters were in tears. My youngest at home in Minneapolis, my eldest uh, freshman in college, who had voted for the first time at age 18. Uh, via FaceTime, I sat at the uh, breakfast table, and with them, I promised them I would do something. I'd raise them not to be observers, to be participants. I had taken our country, our governance, and those who populate it totally for granted, uh, and I had to activate. Uh, and it was integral uh, to their future, to my children's, to everybody who's listening right now. And to, uh, to all the independents who might be listening right now, uh, you know, I'm one of you. You have to be a Democrat or Republican to serve in Congress. Uh, we have a duopoly, a political industrial complex. I'm a proud Democrat, Uh, I'm a Humphrey Democrat, probably no greater hero to me uh, than him. But I'm speaking for what I call the exhausted majority, people of decency, of integrity, perhaps fiscally responsible but socially reasonable, who care deeply about our country, about our future, and are just appalled by two parties who are pulling us drastically to the far right, to the far left. Uh, I say to many, Michael, that I believe we don't have a hardware problem in America. We have a software problem. Our system is the most remarkable in human history, self-governance. But we are populating our legislatures, our Congress, uh, many of our state houses, you know, with people who are simply lacking the intention to do the jobs that we voters uh, expect and demand. Uh, and that's, that's my voice. Uh, I believe Joe Biden is a good man. I respect him. Uh, but it is time for change. There's a massive, massive disconnect between the Washington industrial political complex and the rest of the country. I've only been on the road now for three days in New Hampshire. And let me tell you, Michael, it is a world of difference from what those on Twitter, from what those watching uh, evening cable news, uh, those in the political world, what they think is really happening. Massive disconnect. So I'm speaking for everybody right, I don't, who's sick I, of the nonsense, I don't who need, recognizes that I money in politics con- is disastrous for all of us.
3: I have no doubt, Congressman, that there's an exhausted majority among us. I've looked at all the data anecdotally for the last 20 years. I can speak to the issue and the existence of of this large, untapped resource. The question I guess I have is is whether you can reach those folks within a Democratic primary and caucus process as opposed to being outside the two parties. So what is the argument that says you can actually win this nomination?
4: Well, I intend to win New Hampshire. Uh, I'm going to be competing in Michigan and South Carolina, then many states beyond that. I've made it very clear I'm running in the primary for a reason. Uh, I will do anything, anything to prevent Donald Trump from from becoming our next president. Uh, President Biden is not positioned to win the 2024 election. Uh, From James Carville to Dave Wasserman to David Ignatius to some of the most uh, respected and experienced political pundits in the country, uh, national polls have Uh, The president down nine points right now, ABC the latest. He's down in five of six battleground states. The most recent approval data uh, shows him at historic lows. The country uh, is ready for change. He's going to lose to Donald Trump. Uh, I am better positioned to win. I'm going to make that case to Democrats. Uh, I'm a proud Democrat. Uh, I have voted with the president's agenda. I've got some bold new plans that I'll be sharing soon. Uh, And my message to people is come meet me. Uh, Time is short. Uh, The need is great. Uh, We have an existential threat to our democracy if Donald Trump wins, uh, and to put on blinders and use hopes and prayers to just pray that Joe Biden wins the next election is not responsible management of our country, and it is surely not responsible political management, and America deserves choices, and anybody who objects to having a choice in this election, uh, we just see things differently. I'm going to be respectful, I'm going to be thoughtful, I'm going to be resolute, and if I do not succeed, I will... I will work for and endorse whoever the eventual Democratic nominee is, because that is what we all have to do if we do care about our children and their future in our country. It's just as simple as that.
3: Okay, it sounds to me that at its most basic level, Dean Phillips pitch is that Joe Biden has the right record, but is the wrong guy and that you seem as if you're going to go to great lengths not to be critical of of either his record or him personally, but rather to rely on the data and say, look, he can't win this thing. Somebody else has got to step up. And that's me. That's the pitch.
4: Well, that, that's, that's that's the entry. That's that's the door opener, Michael. Uh, with all that said, uh, we have a good macroeconomy that the president likes to talk about. Our microeconomy, the way that people are struggling right now, is extraordinarily important for people to recognize uh, we have got to lower costs America is way too expensive uh, housing prices going up drastically food and fuel way too expensive people can't afford child care is inaccessible we pay twice as much than any country in the entire world and the very pharmaceuticals invented here made here oftentimes financed with US taxpayer dollars are sold to us Americans for two three four five times more than anyone else in the world I'm going to attack that We've got chaos at the border. We've got chaos in our cities. I want to use AI, which, of course, has threats, which we will manage and regulate. I want to use AI to fundamentally change how we apply the United States federal government. We will save money for the government. We will save money for consumers. I want to comprehensively reform uh, the structure of the federal government to the extent the United States president can. I want to ensure that a cabinet is populated with the best and brightest, regardless of their politics, if their principles and character are strong. I believe in zero-based budgeting. We should not be simply adding more layers of money every single year to the U.S. federal budget. I believe in term limits. We need more turnover, uh, both in Congress uh, and in our agencies. I believe in term limits for the Supreme Court. Uh, I believe we've got to take better care of our planet. We've got to stop pollution. Uh, Gun violence, out of control. I'm in New Hampshire, 18 people massacred in Maine right next door. I'm a gun owner. I know how to bring people together in a way that I think no former president in my lifetime has ever even tried. And as the most bipartisan member of Congress, I think I was number one last year, number two this year, out of 535 members, I have great relationships with my Republican colleagues who, frankly, want to achieve the same objectives. And I want to ask Americans to give me a shot. As your president, over four years, I will fundamentally change how that job Uh, is executed in the executive branch by somebody who's only been doing the legislative work for five years, not for 50 years, and turn it over to someone uh, who gets what the country really, really is asking for, which is integrity, good character, executive experience, and some bold plans that are not imposed on half of America, but are inspired by common sense and common ground. That's my pitch.
3: Let me, let me shift your focus before you leave me to Israel.
2: This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM.
3: Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4.
1: Explore more stories like Shana's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
2: The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app.
3: Let me shift your focus before you leave me to Israel. The first hour of the program, we're in the midst of the second hour. In the first hour of the program today... I read from two pieces that caught my eye and each made my daily newsletter. One was Dennis Ross, the the American diplomat, under the headline, I have once favored a ceasefire with Hamas, but not now. Alternatively, a view put forth by Tom Friedman most recently under the headline, Please Israel, Don't Get Lost in Hamas's Tunnels. Friedman embracing much more of what I would describe as a sniper rather than shotgun approach to the situation in Gaza. You're, you're well read. I assume you probably are dialed in on each of them. Whose approach do you most agree with? That which says, this is not the time for a ceasefire, or one that says, Israel, you better be more measured, or this is going to blow up?
4: Uh, Wholeheartedly with Tom Friedman's perspective. I I think that From Beirut to Jerusalem is the first book that anybody should read about this entire subject. It's probably 35 years old at this point. Uh, It is as fresh, as important, and valid today as ever before. That's the answer to your question very directly. Uh, You might know I'm the ranking member of the Middle East, North Africa, Central Asia subcommittee, along with Joe Wilson, the chairman, uh, I visited Jerusalem uh, and Istanbul uh, and Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, just some weeks ago. I've been to Israel twice this year, met with Netanyahu twice, told him to his face uh, that I believe his his government strategies uh, are going to decrease uh, Israeli security and uh, put at risk the U.S. Israeli relationship. Uh, and lo and behold, Uh, We are facing a crisis right now. I believe deeply in the state of Israel. I believe deeply in its right to exist, its preservation, its security, and its safety. Uh, Hamas has got to be eliminated. That should be an international effort. Israel has every right and every need to do so. We also need to—and this is, I think, the difference between me and many others. I want to focus on tomorrow. Uh, And, Michael, Palestinians have not been able to vote in Gaza since 2006. An entire generation has been raised subject to Hamas. Hamas is the enemy of Israel, the enemy of the Palestinians. I believe it's time for the Saudis to normalize with Israel, for the entire free world to unify behind mandating a two-state solution, ensuring that Palestinians choose choose to go with another system of governance so that it is not a Hamas that is sworn to the destruction of Israel. If Palestinians choose to make peace and elect a leader who wants to do so, I believe Israel now should, must, and is obligated to, because if we believe in security for Israel, and if we believe in American national security, as we have two carrier strike forces now in the eastern Mediterranean, it is a national security issue now for the United States. There need to be two states. There needs to be peace, security, and opportunity for both Palestinians and Israelis. This is our time. It's my generation's turn, and we got to get going. That's what I'm going to be working on as your president, I promise, and I know how to do it. And it is time and it's also time for a new generation of world leaders post Putin, Russia, the future of China, the future of the United States, the great countries of the world. Uh, A new generation has got to rise and do better. And we're ready.
3: Final question for Congressman Dean Phillips. If today you were a university president and not a member of Congress from the great state of Minnesota, how would you be managing the speech issues that flow from the Hamas attack on Israel three weeks ago?
4: Well, I'm appalled, uh, and I believe this is a direct result of ignorance. Uh, I believe deeply in free speech. It's free speech is the foundation of the United States of America. College campuses have always been uh, the genesis of, of rights movements, uh, uh, the cauldron, if you will, of debate, deliberation. Uh, but this is this is beyond the pale what I'm seeing right now. And anybody, anybody, who somehow would say what Hamas did to Israeli children to mothers and fathers and grandparents uh, it is the most appalling nonsensical un-american perspective i could possibly imagine with all that said i have deep compassion for uh, the humanity of all people including palestinians uh, and the two things must be true at once in this israeli lives palestinian lives are equally worthy equally important of protection and i agree with those who say this is horrifying i do not agree with those who are saying And using Hamas flags and using the chant from the river to the sea, which means to wipe out the state of Israel, the only nation in the entire world with a Jewish majority, the only nation in the entire world to which Jewish people can seek refuge during the next pogrom, the next Holocaust. And I want to remind people listening, when Jewish people fled Europe during the Holocaust in boats, they were turned down by the United States of America at first, which means there must be at least a single place in the world for the safety and security of the Jewish people, 0.2% of the entire world's population. I would just ask that progressives who might be listening right now, who have great affection for the underdog, who always look out for those who are being persecuted. I've done that my whole life. I would ask that right now, you also consider the Jewish community and Israel and Israelis of needing your support. For Israel is the only progressive country in the entire Middle East. And I'll close with this, Richie Torres, The extraordinary young member of Congress uh, who speaks about Israel better than anybody else, he's a gay man, who says, not only is Israel the only nation in the Middle East in which I could survive, it's the only nation in which someone like me can thrive. I would ask progressives to recognize that it is a multicultural nation with Muslims and Christians and Jews, supports the rights of women uh, and LGBTQ people. And it is something that is worthy of your consideration right now. Uh, I will leave it at that. And it is time for new leadership that inspires that, promotes it, protects our friends and our allies and gets to work on bringing us to a new American century. It's time.
3: Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis, has has called for in Florida the deactivation, which really means defunding of pro-Palestinian groups from state colleges uh, in the Sunshine State. You agree with him on that?
4: Michael, I, 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 first of all, Governor DeSantis um, uh, has appalled me with many of his positions. Uh, free speech is terribly, terribly important. No. Should we be using public dollars to finance hate, uh, to finance division, uh, and to finance destruction? Of course not. Are we doing it w- way too often in way too many ways? Absolutely. But I do believe in free speech, and I believe when we face these circumstances, it is the responsibility of universities, their professors, their leadership, their donors, and their students uh, to, to be less ignorant, to understand two sides of every issue. And I would have to say, with this is my point, Michael, uh, this is just a symptom of the greater disease in the United States and around the world. The notion that only one side can be right, the notion that your view is the only view, Uh, If we do not create space and place, put down our phones, turn off our televisions, uh, break bread together and find common ground, we are going to be in a whole world of trouble. Uh, The solution isn't a legislative one. No president can wave a magic wand and inspire this. Uh, But my call to action for people like Governor DeSantis and others is to force people together. And I do a series at home called Common Ground. I get six Democrats, six Republicans together. Uh, We have lunch or dinner. Uh, We have a two-hour facilitated discussion. We tell our life stories. We break bread. We discuss and debate policy. And at the end of these, and this is a perfect way to end this conversation, at the very end, we go around the table. Everybody takes about 30 seconds to share with the entire group what they got out of this discussion. And we had a recent experience where a young woman, Emily, looks across the table at Dave and says, Dave, when I saw you pull up in your F-150 with the Trump sticker, I almost got back in my car left the parking lot because I could barely get myself to walk in the building to sit with you but Mm. she said you know what Dave I'm so glad I did because I learned from you goes around the table to Dave he looks at Emily and says Emily when I saw you drive up in your Prius (laughs) I wanted to run it over and he says to her looking her right in the eye said but I'm so glad I stayed too because you are an extraordinary woman I learned so much today and I am so grateful and at that moment a a bleeding heart liberal and a dyed-in-the-wool Trumper stood up and they embraced. And if that is the most extraordinary moment of my public service, if that is my entire legacy that very moment, this entire career of five years so far would have been entirely worthwhile. That is exactly what I will do as president. That is the answer, the antidote to every challenge I think we face, because if we keep fighting each other, by definition, we are not fighting for each other. And that is my fundamental call to action for our country and as our leader that is what I will inspire.
3: Thank you for being so gracious with your time. I am embarrassed. I've I've embarrassed my Carpatho-Rusin brethren by my pronunciation at the outset when I I wished you good health. Leave leave me with the proper way that I should be saying it.
4: Uh, you're talking about Nastrovia uh, or Lakhayam? Nastrovia. 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 And by the way, I maybe yeah. another good way to close this. Every single culture and language in the world generally has a toast where you raise your glass and say to life. And that is perhaps the most L'chaim. unifying truth around L'chaim. the entire globe for all of us. And if there was ever a time for all of us to say L'chaim and Nastrovia and to life, let's do it right now. And let's do it together.
3: Great message. Okay, Congressman, come back and thank you.
4: I promise, Michael, thanks so much for what you do, and keep the faith.
3: That is Dean Phillips, ladies and gentlemen. My buddy John Lynch in Poland would be so upset with me if he had heard my pronunciation of That's that. That's okay. Yeah. We it out. There you go. Nostrovia. 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 To life. When I, was, uh, when I was with my buddy John in Poland covering, you know, the Polish uh, relief for, for the Ukrainians, um, one night at dinner we had Zubroka bison grass, And they serve it with a blade of grass in it. Now I'm at the airport in Warsaw, headed back home. And there it was in the duty-free. So I grabbed like a fifth of it. Mm -hmm. It's terrific. And when you, I mean, Belvedere is great too. He imported Belvedere. Yes, he did. (laughs) He imported Belvedere. So of course I had to ask about this. But it's that blade of grass that just looks so clean and fresh and reminds me of Poland and... Yeah, Is this the Maestromia. kind of time you wish
2: you had on CNN with the congressman?
3: Yes, yes. And also 30 <laughs> minutes uninterrupted. Chop, chop. <laughs> Except
2: Hear more of Michael Smirkonish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.
1: Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app.
2: Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.
1: Michael Smirkonish for Independent Minds.